Quibi gets the kibosh, the streaming service shutting down. We're going to talk about the multi-billion dollar Hollywood flop and what we can all learn from it. It is Monday, October 26th. Let's talk money with our friends. Welcome to the Money with Friends podcast. I am certified financial planner, Bobby Rebel, host of the Financial Grown Up podcast, coming to you from my very grown up kitchen in New York City. And coming to you from Texarkana, Texas, where we make the Stacking Benjamin show. I'm Joe Salcihai. Here on Money with Friends, we talk about the latest personal finance headlines, added the insights and wisdom of our fantastic cast of thought leaders. We mix in some questions and comments from our money friends, and then we leave you with a takeaway to make it your own. I have been a big fan, Bobby, of the career of Jeffrey Katzenberg for a long time, but this definitely isn't one of Katzenberg's finer moments, is it? No, definitely not. I mean, this is ugly. And the sad thing is that if you look back at a lot of the press reports as this was coming to fruition, you kind of saw the, you know, not so happy ending here. Yeah, absolutely. We'll get into this uh, service Quibi. They're shutting down, why they're shutting down and what lessons we can all take from this. Uh, Let's see which one of our friends is going to help us kick off today's show. This is Gertrude. Room Mom over at the Stacking Benjamins Facebook basement group. I just like hanging out and chatting about the news. That's why I tuned into Money with Friends. So our story comes to us from Variety. It is by Todd Spangler. And I'm just going to summarize some highlights from Todd's story. Um, The headline is that Quibi confirms it is shutting down. And it has a quote from Jeffrey Katzenberg. Um, The world has changed dramatically. Well, that is certainly an understatement. But I think there was a lot more going on than just the COVID crisis. We're going to talk about that. What the story goes into is that, you know, Quibi shut down after just six months. They launched back in April. So soon after the COVID um, crisis, the pandemic swept across the United States. Um, and they put out these statements kind of explaining what happened. And they're basically pointing a finger to the COVID crisis, saying the changed industry landscape and ongoing challenges. Um, they just said they couldn't, you know, continue to operate from a standalone basis. They had raised so much money, Joe, they had raised $1.75 billion from places like Hollywood studios, technology companies, and other investors. They're going to be returning whatever's left of that money. 200 people, by the way, are out of a job. Um, so that's what's going on with Quibi. It's, it's incredibly uh, frustrating reading this entire variety piece because of the fact that there, there just seems to be so many, so many things that make me wonder what was going on. I mean, even when I first heard of Quibi, and by the way, the bad news here is that I think there's probably a lot of people listening that don't even know that Quibi exists. And the fact that they raised as much money as you said, Bobby, and so many people are going, what the hell's Quibi is, is, is really, really frustrating. You even told me on our recap show on Saturday that uh, Quibi is short for Quick Bites. I didn't know it was short for Quick Bites, but I will say this. There's a paragraph in this piece that reads, Katzenberg founded Quibi on the untested theory that smartphone-toting millennials would eagerly pay for a premium mobile TV service they could consume in sub-10-minute episodes. I am not a a smartphone-toting millennial. However, different than a lot of people my age, I'm in a a universe uh, with people who are much younger than me, and I feel like, to some degree... I feel a lot of the same feelings that our that our 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 audience feels. Do you feel like this is something you really wanted, Bobby? Is this is is, is it is this something that you're like, you know what I need? I need ten minute long 
episodes of something and I will pay a premium for that. I just, I don't see, I, I see it in limited, but like people have to take the train in New York or Chicago, you know, where I can get on and maybe watch a 10 minute episode. But really how many people are we talking about that are begging for this? I think that we have TikTok, we have Reels, which is part of Instagram. We have YouTube, which by the way, we bring our about 15 minutes. They're really longer, but we're, we're trying for 15 minutes for YouTube. And we have Snapchat. They're free and people are used to free. And you know what? They're really entertaining. And I think when people want the glossy, highly produced content, they want often to settle in at home, especially now that we're spending so much time at home. I think there's more demand for things that you can binge that are longer. If anything, people have longer attention spans when they want to watch that kind of content. When they want quick content, they really love user generated content. And it's so for example, so they paid a lot of A-list stars. Okay. And they paid, according to this variety piece, they paid as much as upwards of $6 million per hour of programming. So some of the people on this list are, for example, Jennifer Lopez. So you could watch Jennifer Lopez on Quizzy if you Quibi if you've heard of it and you want to pay, or you could watch Jennifer Lopez on her TikTok, which is awesome, <laughs> right? So I'm not sure why I want to go and invest in some highly produced Jen show when she's awesome on TikTok, right? Well and if I want to watch Jennifer Lopez more, I could watch one of her really cute romantic comedies right. that are available streaming. Just dig in so and get her just, in a yeah. much, much longer, longer format. They're, and they're, people aren't looking to add to their bills during coronavirus, by the way. No. And, and they're, well, and, and Katzenberg does say that the world has changed and people aren't commuting, which is why he says that the service failed. I think it failed for a lot of other reasons besides that. I think that might have hurried the failure. But, but the very next paragraph reads, Quibi stuck to Katzenberg's belief in a mobile-first service, even after it was clear, especially during coronavirus quarantines, viewers wanted to watch the content on their big-screen TVs. The company mm -hmm. finally launched native apps for Apple TV, Amazon Fire TV, and Android TV. Get this only two days before they announced it would close the door. So they finally did something that their audience said that they wanted and had been saying, I actually heard that one a few months ago, Bobby, the people are like, yeah, I got to watch it on my phone. You can't even watch it on your, on, on your, on your television. I wish I could watch this stuff on my TV. They continually said, no, you can't, no, you can't, no, you can't. When they finally decided to do it, then they didn't even give it time to test it. They, they did two days, two days is not long enough to see yeah. if that's going to succeed or not. It reminds me of when the iPads first came out and I was working at Reuters and I remember Rupert Murdoch had a press conference and they had a big iPad only news service that I could not for the life of me remember the name of this, but it was only for iPads. And I was like, why? And it didn't succeed. And it just, I, I don't even know what happened, but they literally had to give us iPads to borrow because iPads were so new at that time that to even see the service and why, you know, why limit it? The other thing that I think these other streaming services that launched during the pandemic did that was really smart is they double down on their best customers. So Apple, if you buy an Apple device within 52 weeks, within the year, you get a free year of Apple TV. So now I got it for free. So therefore I got it. And I really enjoyed several of the shows on Apple TV. Will I pay for it in the future? Probably not because I'm going to buy, as we know from my other show, from our other shows, I'm going to buy an Apple phone soon. So I'll probably always get it for free, but it keeps me in the Apple ecosystem. They didn't have that. And the same thing with Disney too. Disney we're getting for free through something, some other reason. I don't know, but 
because you're getting these for free and they have yeah. marquee programming that everyone's talking about. People are talking about what is that on Disney that my son watches the Mandalorian? Is Mandalorian that right? coming Yoga? back for another yeah, season. I mean, yeah. Oh my God. My family would have my head if they couldn't watch that. So right. they had this programming that got so much buzz for all the star power here. I can't name a show. And they even got 10 nominations apparently in the Emmy awards. Yeah, they, they. So it was good quality programming. Yeah, and and more was coming. I mean, Katzenberg is really great at programming and and knows how to program. He's shown that over and over, uh, uh, over his entire career. Whether it's a Disney, DreamWorks, everywhere that he's been, he's been able to bring good programming that people want to watch. So I thought that was going to be a matter of time. More of my frustration here, though, is kind of what Sarah is saying. Who's hanging out with us today as we make the show? I'm not sure I'd even use it if it was free. Seems like like a strange time allotment, Sarah says. So um, uh, I just recently interviewed this woman, Amanda Lanner, who is with the Harvard Business School and, and has a new book out called Time Smart. And she talks about confettiing your time, which I find to be a, a great illustration. And that is that even when we have these long blocks of time, we're finding now because of our phones, our devices, and because of these short you know, burst things like TikTok that, that we're breaking up these beautiful pieces of time where we could be spending deeper moments with people or engaged in something long-term. We're engaged in these very short things. And by the way, our brain thinks it drives us crazy. She said that most of us know we do it. We don't like that we do it, but we continually do it because we can't say no to the device, right? Uh, uh, Quibi's adding to something that according to, to Amanda Lanner, we already kind of see as a problem. It, w whether we want more TikTok or not, we just go look at it and it confettis our time, which is not, by the way, a celebration. It's, it's something she sees is not very good. Yeah, I think there's been a new appreciation of long form content, which these television series, premium TV series are effectively, you know, 12 part movies, right? right? Yeah, yeah, I agreed. just finished watching Nexium, and it's, you know, it was like nine episodes, but it's really a nine hour movie broken up. I mean, they're continuous content. They're not like the traditional series where each one is sort of self stands alone. I also think that when they were looking for commuters, there's something to be said for audio. And I know this is a little bit self-serving, but if you are, for example, in an urban area and you're commuting, and you have these little bursts of time, you're often walking or on a subway of some sort or a bus, and you don't necessarily want to look down at your phone. You want to be looking at what's around you, walking, not getting hit by a car. And so you want audio only. And there's huge demand in the audio space. So that's also a huge competitor. There's been a huge interest in podcasts because people realize that they can multitask more effectively with audio only than with video. Yeah. I was reading just uh, last evening about uh, expectations for podcast uh, moving up again after kind of a lull when we first got to coronavirus and people figured out what they're going to do with their time. Now they're expecting even more expansion of the podcast space. What's, you know, taking this to something that we can do, not just, not just really about, about Quibi. What's, what's interesting here to me from a, okay, what do I do with this standpoint, Bobby? Is I think that, um, that, that, that this idea of, of testing ahead of time, 
of, of kind of knowing what your marketplace is and maybe not putting a ton of money into this until you know what your marketplace is, is, is pretty valuable. There is an entrepreneur who I know pretty well who posted something recently to Instagram that said that an entrepreneur 15 years ago went to business school, found a bunch of people who would invest in the product, right? And then was beholden to these investors to make this really big thing. And then he said that an inventor today or somebody who's an entrepreneur today makes a minimum viable product, figures out how to be cash flow positive from the very beginning and bootstraps it and is never beholden to anybody. Now I can make the product as my listener, my viewer, whoever it is wants. And instead of Katzenberg having to go back to all these people, I mean, they had, a, they had an expectation that 7 million people were going to want this in the first year. 7 million, but that's a pretty, that's a pretty big number. Yeah, that's a really big number. And sometimes maybe you don't need to take out as big a loan as you can. I mean, this reminds me almost of, this is a weird analogy, but you know, the housing crisis where people bought houses and borrowed as much money as they were allowed to. So you go to the bank and you're told, well, you're eligible for this big loan. And therefore people went out and bought a house that used that whole loan just because they were able to raise this $1.75 billion. And they didn't spend it all clearly because they can return some, but you know, that doesn't mean that that's the budget. That doesn't mean that's right. the right amount of money to spend. You can start smaller just because you're Meg Whitman and Jeffrey Katzenberg doesn't mean you can't bootstrap a little. Maybe you're a well-funded bootstrap, but test your ideas, build slowly. I mean, even Netflix, when they went into original content, they did um, the first show with Kevin Spacey and I'm drawing a blank on what it was called now, but it was, it was a very good show um, about DC. What's the name of the show? Yeah. Kevin Spacey it is, did, and it's funny started with. because cause, um, cause I have it right but here. It was just the one. So somebody hanging out with us is, 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 is going to have it. Oh. Yeah. Um, but anyway, the point is Netflix, when they did original programming, first of all, people were like, oh, that's interesting. How's that going to work? There was a lot of skepticism about it to begin with, ironically. But House they did of Cards. one big show. And now House of Cards. And now they have so many shows. It's overwhelming. I mean, it's so much original content that they're creating. They're a movie studio unto themselves. So, but they started, they tested the waters. They did one show. Yes, they spent a lot of money to get the star power, but one, I mean, the list of the stars, wait, I have it here. The list, this, this is who they had. And then we're, I know we have to wrap soon, but they had Steven, this is who was involved. Steven Spielberg, Guillermo del Toro, Jennifer Lopez, Sam Raimi, Chrissy Teigen, Reese Witherspoon, Antoine Fuqua, Lena Waithe, Anna Kendrick, Rachel Brosnahan, Issa Rae, Kevin Hart, Steven Soderbergh. I mean, seriously, they were spending a million dollars per 10 minute episode on one of the shows. They had a joke on the- do that. Jennifer I, Lopez films herself dancing probably costs her nothing because A-Rod filmed it. I remember a joke on the good. Academy Awards, Bobby. They were joking about uh, on the Academy Awards about how everybody gets a deal with Quibi. And and that was, by the way, the first time I heard of Quibi was when they were joking about it in the Academy Awards. And of course, it got this huge roar of laughter. And I'm like, what the hell is that? And and it, it became a joke in Hollywood that, hey, you can just go take their money and get a bunch of get a bunch of cash. Those days maybe yep. maybe over. Yeah, uh, too much content. Too just yeah, yeah. Too much. In just a moment, Bobby and I'll have our takeaway from today's discussion of Quibi shutting down. But first, want to say a big thanks to everybody who's used our link when they've gone to Tiller uh, and checked it out. Tiller's the way that I not only plan my budget but also track my expenses. You too can optimize your financial life in Google Sheets or Microsoft Excel with fast automatic transaction imports, easy templates, and a free 30-day trial. To learn more, head to tillerhq.com forward slash 
slash MWF. That's tillerhq.com forward slash MWF. You keep your financial life on course. You can easily track your money over time. Always know what's safe to spend and confidently plan for the future with spreadsheets automated by Tiller Money. It's built on auto uh, unmatched flexibility of spreadsheets. Uh, it automatically keeps everything in one place. TillerHQ.com forward slash MWF. Bobby, what's our takeaway from today's discussion? Well, first of all, adding to what we were just talking about, just because you have access to the money doesn't mean you should spend it before you prove the idea. I also want to add that timing really is everything. I don't think this was going to be successful regardless, but the COVID crisis did not help because part of what they were thinking of is that people would be standing in line waiting for things or, you know, waiting for their friend to show up if they were going out to dinner or something and tuning into something. Um, and you know, so it did, that's, that's a little bit valid. I think there's a little more to it. Also know your audience. Can they get your product for free? Um, when you're starting any venture or as the audience, can you get it for free somewhere better? Don't spend your money when you can get it for free. I think JLo is really entertaining on, you know, her own free social media. I don't know why I would pay Quibi to see her in something because she's awesome for free, just being herself without all the heavy production. Um, and past success does not indicate future success. Just like, you know, those mutual fund ads that we, that we always hear about talking about the market. Um, and finally, smart investors make bad choices just because they have FOMO. I think a lot of what was happening with these investors spending, you know, $1.75 billion cumulatively to support this idea is that nobody wanted to be left behind. And I think that's part of why Katzenberg and Whitman were able to raise so much money. Nobody wanted to be the sucker that didn't invest in, in Jeffrey Katzenberg's great idea. Yeah. No. And, and, and that's when you feel like kind of the emperor may have no clothes, right? That, that, that everybody's investing in Katzenberg because he's Katzenberg, not because of right. the fact that this is a fantastic idea. The, which, which by the way is, it was my point, which is don't be afraid to pivot. How many times is our, has our end of the show takeaway come down to the importance of the pivot, listening to what's mm -hmm. going on around you and pivoting Bobby. And I think this is another case. Katzenberg had been told for a long, long time that people wanted this on a big screen. Didn't give it to them until two days before they announced the shutdown. He, I, by the way, I even saw this uh, back in June that when he was, he, he was talking about this in June, he was also talking about back in June when, when some pretty bad numbers came out and they were looking for more funding about how uh, uh, times had changed, about how people had changed. So Katzenberg clearly knew that things had changed and that the world around him had changed. And yet Quibi continued to do the same thing for months after that. I think when you feel like the world has changed, I think you have to pivot. You have to fight. And, and by the way, no time like this time uh, 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 to pivot. I mean, this world of... of of, um, of COVID has been so bad for so many businesses and Quibi is another one that really needed to do something different. You and I have talked about early on, we talked about restaurants pivoting, obviously schools have had to pivot, right? The way, the way we learn, the way we eat, the way we do, the way we interact. I mean, Zoom calls, it's a whole different world and to know the answers as much as I felt like Katzenberg knew the answers back in June and to still do nothing with it, I think is a reason why Quibi shutting down. Very well said, very accurate. And yeah, a lot of lessons to learn from this, that we do have to be flexible. No one could have ever predicted that this virus would cause so much, uh, not only so much, you know, pain health-wise. I mean, Joe is, you know, 
suffering from it right now, as you guys know, um, but also economic devastation. And it really changed the way that many people behave in terms of their uh, consumption of media among many other different trends. And I think Quibi did get caught in that. There's some, that is a valid thing to point to, but I don't think that's the whole story. No, I agree. Uh, speaking of the whole story, we got more story tomorrow, Bobby, because you have the one and only, I believe, uh, 12 times New York Times bestselling author. Something like that. Yeah. I mean, I think we kind of lose count. Um, but yeah, David Bach is going to be back with us from Italy. And uh, I just can't wait to hear from David. He's he's wonderful. And he's having a great time in Italy. And I just everyone's got to follow his uh, his Instagram and um, which is David Bach. And also um, check out his website, Finish Rich. It's great. Yeah. And good, uh, he'll good. be with us on uh, on uh, Tuesday and Wednesday. And we're going to be talking about lots of important financial issues with David. Always a great take from Mr. Bach. Can't wait to listen to those episodes. She is Bobby. I'm Joe. We'll see you next time back here at Money with Friends. Bye-bye. This show's created and hosted by us, Joe Salcihai and Bobby Rebel, and it's edited and produced by Ashley Wall. Money with Friends is a product of Money with Friends, LLC, copyright 2020. For a list of the thought leaders who appear on the podcast and links to the stories discussed, head to our website, moneywithfriendspodcast.com. You can also check out our schedule for upcoming recording sessions so you can join us and be part of the show. Also, be sure to follow us on social media at moneyfriendspod on both Instagram and Twitter. Look out for our polls and quizzes. You could get a shout out on the show. We're well worth following. We promise. As with anything, remember you shouldn't take advice from any of us or or any other videos or podcasts without first talking to your financial advisor. These people on this episode, they're here for your and their entertainment purposes only. I'm Bobby. I'm Joe. We'll see you here back next time with another episode of Money with Friends. Bam, nailed it.